All right, y'all, let's do this. Another episode. And this one, this one's really personal for me. I have thought of every excuse in the book not to record this episode. And I am so nervous for this right now. I am not live streaming it. So if you didn't know this about my podcast, usually every single episode, I do a live streaming across social media, but in particular in my Facebook community, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash evolve autism. And I love then being able to do a Q&A after each episode. So that's what normally happens. That is not what's happening today. I am just recording this, me, myself, and I, although Charlotte, my dog, is sitting on my lap for a little bit of comfort. And I'm just going to get vulnerable with y'all today. I'm going to share how I got into this field. And what I want you to take away from this episode is this is not just about me and my story. My story is something that I see paralleled over and over and over again in all the families that I work with. And it is this this hesitancy to be seen either as a parent of an autistic child or as a sibling of an autistic child because that autistic child needs support. And last episode actually really struck me. I had guest Chelsea Farmer on with me and she talked about how she had to make the shift from autism used to be my whole world. And then she talked about when her mother died that then she realized it had to be part of her world. It couldn't be her whole world anymore. And so I hope today by me getting vulnerable, by me doing the uncomfortable thing, by me sharing my story, that you can start to have this shift that autism is a really important part of your child's identity. It's a really important part of your family's identity. And you still have needs in all of this too. That was something that I had an aha of when I went to a coaching retreat. So this aha is, I see you. I want you to tell yourself that because you deserve to hear it and you deserve to have a place. You deserve to be seen, heard, and supported. You deserve to have your needs met. All right, y'all, let's do this. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental mindset coach specializing in autism. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. I'm the host of Evolve, the podcast where we have real conversations that are designed for autism parents just like you. Each week, we will discuss topics that directly impact your life from providing psychoeducation about autism and neurodiversity to talking about your personal growth, well-being, and evolution as a parent, we dive into it all. Just keep in mind nothing shared on this podcast is clinical advice and you should consult with a medical or mental health provider if you need support. Now let's get to talking about my story. My heart is racing, y'all, right now. This is hard. This is something, I wanna give you a little backstory that I had planned to do right after Christmas. And I'm recording this on March 27th, and this podcast is gonna air on March 29th. Once I decided to do it, I was like, I need to do it. The really real behind the scenes though is there's other podcast episodes in the queue, but I knew I had to get it out there, so I didn't chicken out or didn't overthink it. I don't think I would have recorded it and never posted it, 
but I just, I had to fully commit. I had to go all in. So it's been something for three months that I have planned to do. And if you've listened to other episodes, I reference this. And so what I'm talking about is growing up as a sibling of a brother who was diagnosed with autism. And I want to give a little caveat in this episode that the autism journey back then is very different than it is now. So I am now 33 years old. My brother is 23. So we're 10 years apart. He was diagnosed when he was 23 months of age. And so you might not hear me use as much identity first language in this episode because that wasn't how it was discussed in my household. That is not how my brother talks about it. And so I want to honor my family story by using language that was true to us back then. If you aren't familiar with this idea of identity first language, what the autistic community is saying is that they actually prefer autistic child or autistic adult or autistic individual versus individual with autism. And it's because that autism is part of their identity. I will say, and I'm not going to get too much into detail because this is my brother's story, but he doesn't use that language. It is not an identity for him. It is something that he experienced, that he had a diagnosis, and he went through really intense early intervention from the time he was basically two to four years of age, two years straight, 40 hours plus a week of therapists in our house. So you might hear me shift my language. I'm just going to speak from my heart. This is completely a candid conversation. There is nothing about this that is scripted. And maybe that's some of what's making me more nervous. But I knew if I was going to do this, I just had to come speak from my heart, from my experience. Let's talk a little bit about what held me back from doing this before we really dive into also then what inspired me. And again, I see this all the time working with families now as a child psychologist. If you didn't guess, my brother's history is exactly what led me to being a child psychologist who specializes in autism. No question about it. Let me tell you this piece of the story because I think this is going to be important. So I mentioned my brother was diagnosed at 23 months of age. Here's the thing, y'all, this was over two decades ago. He's 23 right now. So 21 years ago, getting an early diagnosis of autism was pretty unheard of. It even, unfortunately, is still pretty unheard of nowadays. We're seeing more and more kids get diagnosed early, but that doesn't mean it's a consistent thing. And it still takes a lot of advocacy from parents. And I want to tell a little bit about my mom's story. So my brother was born and went straight into the NICU. I was an only child prior to my brother being born. So it's just the two of us. And that was traumatic in and of itself. Basically, there were complications in birth and both my mom and my brother almost lost their lives. And I remember I was a 10-year-old little girl being so excited for my brother to arrive. And I remember being with my grandma at home, waiting for that call to go visit. And I couldn't. I was told I couldn't go visit because my mom had some medical complications. My brother was rushed to the NICU. The cord was wrapped around his 
his neck twice. And right there, that was hard. I was used to being the center of my parents' world. And all of the sudden, I wasn't in that moment. And understandably so, my adult brain can understand exactly what happened but my child brain couldn't. So this is a part of my family I think is important, just in case you guys are wondering or if I reference it later on. So my brother is technically my half brother. I never caveat this. So it's my mom and stepdad that are his parents. My parents have been separated and divorced for a very, very long time. My stepdad has always been part of the picture and I am lucky I have two dads. And so that's just how I viewed my family. Anyway, I go from being this only child to I can't go see my mom in the hospital. I can't go meet my new baby brother, all of that. I I share that part of the story with you because I do think it shaped me, but I'm not gonna go into too much other detail other than for you all to hear that he was a NICU baby. And so early intervention was following him. From a young age, he was getting early intervention services. I don't know exactly, it's funny, I should have asked my mom what, but I know for sure he was getting speech language therapy. And my mom started to have more concerns about his development. He wasn't meeting milestones. He was having significant tantrums. And I don't even know exactly how the conversation came up, but my mom and the speech therapist basically started talking about autism. I think my mom inquired about it. I'm almost positive. And the speech therapist was like, yeah, that could be something to look into. So that's what my mom did. And she had to advocate like hell to get this diagnosis, but she knew that my brother needed more support than he was currently getting. So long story short, he gets diagnosed by a neurologist. He was diagnosed with PDD-NOS, which was under the old classification. So pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified. But the neurologist insisted that he also had MR, mental retardation, which is now called intellectual disability. And my mom was like, no, no, he doesn't. You're going to give him. My mom was like powerful in this. And I look back and I don't even understand everything going on, how she found her words. And so I hope you hearing this story right now, that if you're fearful to find your words, what a difference that it can make in your child's trajectory. So she was like, you're going to diagnose PDD-NOS. I don't know if these are the exact words, but this was the gist, but not MR. He doesn't have MR. And she was right. And so he ended up starting ABA therapy, applied behavior analysis, which now is very controversial in the field. And I've said I need to do an episode on this and it really will be forthcoming soon. But that was what my family did. We had therapists in our home for 40 hours a week. It was a lot. I'm not going to lie, but I wouldn't change it for the world either. It shaped me in every single facet of my life. It shaped my brother, it shaped my parents, it shaped us all. It actually, without going into too many details, it shaped extended family members' experiences too, because then cousins ended up getting diagnosed as a result of my mom being so bold and just knowing in her heart, she followed her intuition. Maybe that's one of the reasons as I'm saying this out loud, I'm like, Gosh, y'all, I'm getting a little emotional and I probably am going to on this episode. 
why do I talk about all the time how you need to listen to your intuition? You are the expert of your child. That was modeled for me. That is exactly what I was taught as a 12 year old, that you have to be willing to advocate for your child for something to change. And unfortunately, I wish two decades later, we would have seen a complete like revolution of the medical field, but we haven't. I could go on with that, but more on that later and more in other episodes that you hear that are already published for, on the podcast. So that was our story, right? And here's the thing. If you were to meet my brother today, autism isn't part of his identity. And it's not because we've ignored it. It's not because it wasn't talked about in our household. It's just the culture and the time that he went through this, that I went through this, that my parents went through this. He received intensive intervention for two years and then he made so much progress. This is not how it goes nowadays, but I will tell you this is our story. What happened is that same neurologist ended up removing his diagnosis of autism. I would not recommend that. I don't think that's the goal anymore. There's so many elements of it. And just the way that the DSM-5 criteria is written, there is a by history clause. Autism is a lifelong disorder. I want you to hear that, but that was my family's story. And so my brother went through school. He didn't have this quote unquote diagnosis. He never had an IEP. He didn't need one. He really, really was excelling and still is in many ways to this day. He's 23 trying to figure out what the hell he wants to do with his life like that was me at 23 and that's the thing autism or not he's just trying to figure out who he is so one of the things that held me back for so long in this story see i've gotten completely off tangent here but is i'm going to tell you what held me back and now why i'm telling this story and what some of my ahas were before i do that I just want to take a moment and I want you to do a little bit of reflection because again, I don't want this podcast episode to just be about me. I want it to be about you and serving you and what you need in all of this. That's why you come to this podcast. And that's my commitment is helping you to evolve as a parent, whether that is in terms of your autism knowledge, in terms of your neurodiversity knowledge, or in terms of your own self-growth, your own self-development. How much of the story are there parts of it that you relate to? Yeah, it was two decades ago, but there's the same story there. How much did you have to advocate for your child to get a diagnosis or to get the services that they needed? Yeah, it still happens, right? How much did you have to realize that your child was struggling and be the one to go to providers and say, hey, listen, I need you to listen to me. How much are you having to sacrifice currently in order to best support your child. And I want you to hear something loud and clear, and I can say this, you can support your child and still have a desire for a place to support yourself, still have a desire to feel seen, heard, and supported in all this journey. It's not mutually exclusive. I think back when I was 
growing up, this was the autism culture. It's like you do whatever you have to do to support your autistic child, no matter what, no matter the sacrifice it takes, no matter the impact that it has on the family, no matter what, no matter how many hours in the day it's going to take, 40 hours a week, y'all, we had ABA therapists in our home. Then we had speech, then we had OT. I don't remember if he got PT or not, but I feel like we had some sort of play therapist or developmental therapist. And some of this is, it's a blur for me in some ways, yet it's so salient in other ways. Keep in mind, I was 12 years old. 12 to 14 years old is when all of this kind of unfolded. For a moment, I want you to think about the changes that are going on in my life from 12 to 14, right? If you have 12 to 14 year olds, there are hormones, there's puberty, there's so much drama, right? And it did shape me. So I want you to root yourself in this story as I am talking that me sharing today, me getting vulnerable, me feeling really uncomfortable. This is the most uncomfortable I've ever felt recording a podcast episode. And I know this is part of your story too, and that's why I'm doing it. It's not about me. It's about what you need in this. So let's talk about this. What held me back from sharing this story for so long, putting it out there publicly? I wasn't sure how my family would feel about this. To be honest, I'm still not 100% sure how my family feels about this. I had some really powerful conversations with them when I was home for Christmas about this. I got to share with my mom my healing journey in this and how I've evolved as a person because for so long, I always just was like, no, 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 this is a great thing. It shaped me into the clinician I am. This is why I got into the autism field. And those things are true. But deep down inside of me, there was more impact. As I'm even recording this, I'm like, okay, my assistant's going to edit this. I'm sitting here crying. And then I'm like, what are you all going to think? I am in my head right now, like no other. But every ounce of my body right now is telling me I have to share this story. So I had a really deep conversation with my mom. And the one thing I wanted her to hear out of this is, it's not your fault. You did nothing wrong. And so if you're listening to this as a parent right now and you have other kids and this is having an impact on you, I want you to know you're not doing anything wrong. You are doing the best of your ability. And I think sometimes by building awareness and knowledge of what impact that autism is having on your other children is really important. I also think having awareness on what impact autism is having on your relationship with your partner or even on yourself, that is an important piece of this puzzle. And that is something that is completely forgotten in the autism field. We are so focused on supporting the child that we forget there's other family members and autism doesn't just impact your child's life, it impacts your life as well. It impacts your partner's life as well. It impacts your other children's life as well. It impacts the extended family, all of that. It is very, very real. 
And we need to be having more conversations about this, which is one of the reasons that I got bold and uncomfortable. And I was like, all right, it's time I'm going to do this. But what held me back is, one, I didn't know what my family would think about this. But I also had a conversation with my brother and he gave me permission. I said, listen, I've always viewed it as your story and felt like I couldn't tell the story that I had because it was his story to tell. And context, this is going to come full circle later, is I am currently in therapy right now. I'm working with a therapist doing what's called internal family systems. It's called parts work. So if you're not familiar with it, it basically is talking about there's different parts of us in, that live inside of us and they shape who we are today. And parts that developed when we were younger, they they were adaptive at that time. But as our our brain develops more and we start to have more coping skills and we start to have more understanding of the world and of ourselves, that these parts get frozen in time and they get stuck in this cycle. And so these parts are very, very well-intentioned. A lot of them are usually to protect us, right? But the protection that used to be necessary, it maybe isn't necessary anymore, or there's more kind of evolved and adaptive ways to deal with it. And so as a young kid, I think I learned but no one told me this, just FYI, I learned that my brother needed help and that I needed to take a back seat to that, that I needed to let him be the one that was helped. And that's what our family did. I would argue my mom and stepdad did that too, right? They took a back seat to what my brother needed. And mind you, my brother's 23 months old when he started all of this. He didn't know what was going on. He, in many ways, just knew that having therapists in his house all the time were normal. It's not normal, right? It's what we have to do, but it doesn't mean it's normal. I took this step back of he needed help. So for so long, for all of my childhood and most of my adult life up until probably the last six months, I viewed the autism story as his. So I would have individual conversations with patients, parents. They'd ask, how did you get into this field? And I would say, my brother was diagnosed when he was 23 months old. I was 12 at the time. I grew up with it. I, I had no problem sharing that on a one-to-one -one level, but in a public way, I really, really hesitated. But my brother gave me permission. He said, yeah, go for it. I think in that moment, I don't know, I didn't exactly ask him, but I think he realized that I needed to do this for myself. And my mom said the same thing. My stepdad absolutely is part of this journey, but I guess in some ways, those are the two people I felt like I needed to ask for permission from. And I don't know where this idea of needing to ask for permission even came from. So that's why I didn't share for so long. That's why I didn't put it out there publicly is it was my brother's story. It wasn't my story, but it is my story. Just as much as it's my brother's story, just as much as it's my mom's story, just as much as it's my stepdad's story. It's all of our stories together because it impacted us all. We all lived it, we all went through it. So let me tell you about what made me finally say, okay, let's do this, it's time to dig in and share this and get bold. I was at a coaching retreat 
two weekends ago. And this is a coaching program that I have now launched for parents of autistic children, but it isn't an autism specific program. I have shaped it into being an autism specific program, but it's based on habits of thinking, how your brain thinks. And are those thought patterns serving you or sabotaging you? And it's an amazing, amazing curriculum that I chose to get certified in because it had such a profound impact on my life. My story of wanting to share actually started in February of 2022. We were at a coaching retreat. So we go twice a year in Utah and they brought in a facilitator to do breath work with us. And it was the most profound thing I have ever done. I had never done breath work in my life. I was really skeptical going in because quote unquote, it isn't this like evidence-based practice, which is as a psychologist, how I'm trained, but it was incredible. And I had a lot of emotions come up during that retreat, the breath work in particular. I mean, I was crying during it. And I was unlocking things I didn't realize were inside of me. And the clear picture became, it's time to start telling my story. And so I slowly started to fast forward. I started working with a therapist. I remember vividly telling her, it's not my story to tell. And she's like, what do you mean? It's not your story to tell. It's the thing I'd given so much ownership to my brother over it that I forgot about myself in this process. So back to what would have been March, 2023. I was at this retreat. I'm not gonna go through all the details cause we could be here for forever. But basically the gist was, I've had this thought a couple times. Actually later I did another breathwork session and this thought came up is I am meant for more. And I always associated that thought with leaving my full-time job of being an autism researcher. So I know I'm all over the place, but let me tangent and just say, I got into this field because I watched my brother's progress through early intervention, two years of ABA therapy and how he responded and beautiful. Like, honestly, it's like textbook. And then my mom had these friends who also had autistic children that weren't responding to the therapy, the same therapy. It was being done in the same way. And I was like, why, why my, my mind was so curious. And so that is what got me into the field. I wanted to do research. I talked about this in another episode where basically I felt unfulfilled doing research. I felt like I was meant for more. And so that's what I always associated that thought with, but I knew I was meant to be in the autism field. No question about that. But this thought came up again, I meant for more. And I didn't know what it meant. I was like, yeah, I know that, right? I'm doing what I was led to do. And then as I kept listening, there were speakers talking. There was this very, very powerful video from the greatest showman the movie and it is the song this is me and it's a youtube video i'm gonna even link it in the show notes of when they were trying to get greenlit for this production and what that means is they have the structure and they had this song but they're trying to get people to fund this so they can create it into a movie and it was oh everything in me i mean tears were streaming down my face it was powerful So I I kept letting this feeling sit there. And one of the things I've learned about myself through a lot of personal work is that I need to listen to my intuition. That is a really powerful source for me. So I just kind of sat with it. And 
then I had this aha. The aha was, I am afraid to be seen. Now, you might be listening to that right now and being like, right, but you have a podcast, you show up on social media. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, it doesn't seem like that, Taylor. And that's exactly it. That's not the way that I'm afraid to be seen. I can show up in these ways with my expertise. And yeah, I don't have to be vulnerable in order to be successful in these domains. But what I've realized is that feeling of I am meant for more It's, yeah, I can impact families of autistic children through my professional expertise. But the thing that is even more powerful is knowing what it's like. It's that felt sense. I get it, right? I've gone through it. I know. And yeah, my story might be different from yours, but I know what it is like. And that's the way that I'm afraid to be seen. That's how I've been holding myself back. For three months, I said I was going to tell this personal story and I haven't. And finally, three months later, I needed this moment at this retreat to know this. So here I am getting vulnerable with you, telling you my story because I want you to not be afraid to be seen. For so long, I just kept saying it's my brother's story, but what I've realized through all of this is, through my work through therapy, is there is a part of me that is a perfectionist through and through, no question about it. And that is very, very high achieving, that loves to be the expert. And this is the part that resonated so much when I was in academia. This is the part that thrived. And here's the thing, there are ways this part serves me like no other. But some of it is as a kid, what I realized is that, and no one told me to do this. This is the thing I want you to hear is sometimes we're just not aware this happens, but my brother needed help. So that meant, I couldn't need help. When we are children, our brain is very systemic. It's very black and white. Our brain doesn't have the capability to think of any other way, but in that all or nothing thinking. As adults, we often default back to this, but there's so much gray area. But in my mind, he needed help. That meant I I couldn't need help. So one of the ways that I got attention in a really positive way was I got really good grades. I was great at getting awards. I was great at achieving the next accolade over and over and over again. And yeah, naturally that got reinforced by my parents because they were proud. What I didn't realize is that was starting to shape some of my identity of who I was, that the way that I show up in the world is by being high achieving, by getting these recognitions, by being perfectionistic, because if I'm perfectionistic, that means that then I do really well. And I get praised for that. I get acknowledgement for that. I get attention for that. And so there's this part of me that still lives inside of me. And I see this all the time. And it is, if I'm being honest, one of the reasons that my private practice has taken off. It's also one of the reasons that 
I focus so much on my private practice. I get to show up in my private practice as the expert, as the psychologist, as the person who has all the autism knowledge and I'm helping you implement it. Now, again, I have no problem sharing with families what my backstory is. You know, I do one of a huge value for me and it's interesting to see how this is shaped is I've structured my private practice. It's a concierge private practice. So I do things very differently. And one of the ways that I do things differently is parents are given their own sessions to be able to ask questions, to be able to process. So yes, the therapy is focused on your child, but there is a place for you to feel like you can express how you're doing. We actually talk about how are you doing through all of this? Why do I do that? Probably because I wish someone had asked me that. I wish someone would have asked my parents that. And here's the thing, my parents didn't know to ask me that because no one was asking them that either, right? It's not their fault. And if they are listening to this right now, I want them to hear everything about this is not their fault. It is our system failing. It was the system failing them. In the same way, the system is failing most families out there right now. It needs to be different. So. What can I do? I can take control of that in my private practice and I can create that. And those moments with parents are probably some of the most special that I get. To be able to hold space for a parent of an autistic child when they're so used to holding space for everyone else. When they're so used to saying, what's next? How do I support my child? What do I need to do? How do I act? How do I create momentum? What is my child gonna look like in the future? Is my child ever gonna speak? Is my child gonna be in general education or special education? Is my child going to have a job? Is my child going to get married? Y'all, these are things that I hear all the time. And I create space for those because I wish someone had created space in that way for my family. But here's the reality. In my private practice, I still get to show up as the expert. I have dedicated my life to this field and I am constantly listening to things, constantly learning. I mean, neurodiversity in and of itself, that was a whole learning experience for me. And again, the other personal episode I did was about my career and learning about neurodiversity. I'm willing because I love this. It's my passion. And my private practice, I get to show up like the expert. But there's something about this coaching for me that is so incredibly personal because I get to create over and over and over again exactly the experience that my family needed. So I poured less into that because it's been scary, right? But it's ironic. My logical brain knows it's exactly the thing that I need to do. Everything inside of me screams, yes, Taylor, do this. And I have, I've launched it, but I haven't gotten vulnerable with it. I haven't told you why I developed it. I haven't told you what this is really going to do for you. If I'm being completely honest, the business person in me is screaming, don't say this, Taylor. I can't tell you exactly how it's going to impact your family, but I can guarantee that it will. One of my coaching clients I did one-on-one coaching with, she was a mom of an autistic child 
really, really unique story. She also was a foster mom and was adopting these two boys. So it was her first time being a mother. One was autistic, one was not, but they both were experiencing trauma and healing from trauma. So it was learning how to support her through this journey. And I remember telling her the first module, so to speak, starts with connection with people. And I was like, you're going to learn how to connect with your husband more communicate with your husband more. She's like, oh, my husband and I have great communication. And they truly, truly did. No question about it. But there was also this part of her that had a really hard time asking for help and letting other people know what she needed. And by the end of our coaching, she said one of the most impactful experiences she had was that connection with her husband. She actually let her husband into her world of what she was experiencing. And yes, he was experiencing it too. So she learned how to step into his world and they experienced this together versus as two separate people. And I see this a lot in working with parents of autistic children is it's you and your partner going through the journey, quote unquote, together, but you're having different experiences. You're experiencing this in parallel versus truly together, understanding how each person is experiencing it. Because sometimes how your partner might be experiencing it is something that either you're not ready for, you're not ready to go there yet, and they can give you a gentle guidance into helping you navigate that. Or maybe you've already gone through that and your partner needs you to be there for them to help them navigate it. It's truly so magical. And so that's the thing I can't tell you for sure this is what you're going to take, but I know you're gonna take something. I know it's gonna impact your relationship with your partner. I know it's gonna impact your autistic child. You're gonna actually learn that everything your autistic child is doing is functional, it's communicative. They're trying to let you into their world. We just have to learn to speak a different language. I think so often we're so set in our neurotypical standards that we miss things. And maybe some of this you've learned through your child's therapies, but I'm going to teach you how to do this in a way that you really enter their world, that your first priority is listening to understand, not listening to respond, not listening to fix their issue, not listening to problem solve, listening to understand. The other thing is I know for a fact we're gonna keep talking about my story as a sibling of an autistic child. And you're gonna then take away tangibles, which is not being shared on this podcast right now, but I can absolutely think about doing a future podcast of how do you support your non-autistic children through this autism journey? I, I'm gonna open up. And that's the thing I think that scared me in this is like, I'm gonna have to get really real with my story in order to be able to truly serve the families in my community. And for so long, I've been able just to show up as the expert who knows autism and then pull in a little bit more of my personal experience, but the knowledge I learned at school and then there's part of it that is informed by my experience, my lived experience having a sibling who got diagnosed with autism when he was 23 months old. But now I'm realizing these have to be flipped on its head. Like I realize that now what's got to take the importance, what has to take priority 
is this lived experience because that is what is impactful. And then I can back it all day long with evidence-based information. I can back it with tips and strategies that are gonna impact your child, your family. But I gotta start at the heart of this. I gotta start at the heart of my story in order to best be able to serve you. And I think for a long time, I've had this coaching business. It's been incredible. I love what I've done so far, but I've held myself back because I've been afraid to be seen. Let me say that again. I have been afraid to be seen and I'm showing up here right now saying I am no longer. Okay, that's a lie. I still am. My heart is still racing. I'll calm down a little bit. I noticed my nervous system has regulated as I've talked through this episode. Yeah. I'm still afraid, but I'm facing that fear. It's not a light switch. It didn't go off overnight. Just like your fears about your child's future, they're not gonna be a light switch. They're not gonna all of a sudden go off. You're gonna stop worrying. But can we give them less power? Can we give them less control in your life? Because if you're so focused on what is my child going to be like in the future, you're missing all of these moments right here, right now. These little moments of your child trying to enter your world. Yes, your autistic child trying to enter your world. That is right here, right now. And if we don't respond to it, they're going to think it's not effective. And just behavioral strategies, behavioral nature, if that doesn't receive attention, they're going to stop doing it. And so, yes, I understand worrying about the future. It's so salient. It's so real. It is a true, true fear. It is painful. But everything you're doing right now is going to shape that future. And if you're living in the future, you can't be living in the present. I didn't know how I was going to end this episode, but that's exactly what I want you to take away from this. Are you living in the future? I was. I kept saying, oh yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. No, I'm doing it because I know families out there need my support. And if you're one of them, I would love to connect with you. Even if you're not sure how I'm going to serve you, maybe it's just that connection. Maybe we chat in DMs. Maybe you email me and see what's an option. And maybe I'm not the right provider for you, but I can help you figure out what your next steps are. Because serving is the most important thing of my entire business. The day that I stop serving autism families is the day I will close my business. I don't care. I don't care what money it's making me and that it's my livelihood. If I stop serving autism families, I'm out, y'all. Because this is why I do it. It's help the little girl inside of me be seen. I can't rewind time. I can't live in the past either, and neither can you. You have to live right here, right now. And I hope you can start doing that. I hope this episode gives you some courageousness, gives you some power to start advocating not only for your child, but yourself too, and the rest of your family. They need you too. And the little girl inside of you, the little boy inside of you, the little child inside of you 
still needs attention. They still need you. So don't forget to show up for yourself in all of this. I was afraid to be seen. And by me putting this out here today, I'm facing my fears. And I want you to face your fears too. Everything inside of you, you're going to have that guilt and shame pop up of like, I shouldn't be focusing on myself. You need to. You're going to be a hell of a better parent for all your children by showing up for you. And that's what I'm learning through this journey myself is I got to show up for me. And by showing up for me, I can show up for you. I can provide you the services or just the information that I wished my family had two decades ago. It's time we actually start changing the field. I don't want your kids to grow up two decades from now feeling like autism was only their sibling's story. I don't want you two decades from now either feeling like you have lost yourself. You don't know who you are. Everything you do for your autistic child matters. And I am not saying to stop doing that, but we do need to start thinking about the whole family impact because that matters too. All right, y'all, I am signing off. Thank you so much. If you got to the end of this episode, you've listened, you've experienced this with me. It wasn't easy, but I did it. And I'm going to be proud of myself for doing it. And I want you to celebrate those little wins in your life too. Maybe you start small today saying, what is one thing I can do to see myself, to help myself feel seen in sometimes this world where you don't feel seen? Thank you. And I'll be back with another episode next week. Bye, y'all. If you find yourself listening to these episodes and finding value, come join the Evolve Facebook group. Each week, I record podcast episodes live in that community and host a Q&A after each episode. You get access to engage with me, plus you can connect with other like-minded autism parents. It is a community designed for you to feel seen, heard, and supported as a parent of an autistic child and introduces you to my whole family approach. The group is linked in the show notes. I will be back next week with another real conversation about all things autism and your family life. Be sure to hit the plus or follow button in the podcast platform that you are listening to right now. This will notify you when the next episode is live. Catch you all later.